Welcome to Sisterhood, having conversations that matter with me, Laurieann Sheldrick, an incredible woman who support, encourage, and empower other women. While you are here, you will be supported. You will empower yourself so that you can be supportive to others and begin to fully embrace that we cannot be empowered women if we do not support those who are being disempowered. That is the magic that lies within sisterhood, and it only works if we do it together. The purpose of sisterhood is to create deep and meaningful connections with other women, have conversations that matter, because women need other women, and together we are going to be, do, and have all that we desire. It starts right here, right now, with me, my special guests, and with you. Let's begin. Welcome to the magic of sisterhood. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sisterhood Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing and subscribing. If you have shared and subscribed, I'm very, very grateful that I have this platform to get to speak with all of you, have conversations that really matter, but also get to share some really incredible women with all of you. And today I am so happy to be sharing this conversation about mental health and entrepreneurship that I had with just an incredible woman, Shula Mitt Bear Lev Tov. I don't usually do like a traditional bio, but I have to say with all of her knowledge and experience, I really just feel like I need to give credit where credit is due because Shula is incredible and has had an amazing entrepreneurial journey the past 27 years. So Shula is a resilience resilience and mindset consultant. And she works specifically with women entrepreneurs and she helps them to stay sane while they ride that emotional roller coaster. Because let's be honest, it can be at times an emotional roller coaster of running a business. What gives her such a unique approach and really makes her an expert, if you will, in her field, because she really is an expert with so much wisdom, is she's not just been an entrepreneur for 27 years. She's also a licensed therapist. So who better to talk about mental health and entrepreneurship than a licensed therapist who's also been an entrepreneur for 27 years? And that is why I wanted to talk to her. She's also a retired yoga teacher and a trauma survivor. She has over 20 years of professional experience supporting mental health and personal growth and has logged thousands of hours helping hundreds of women rebound from stress and trauma. She's an award-winning entrepreneur. She's an experienced speaker, and she truly brings such a unique approach and perspective to supporting women in business. She's spoken locally and nationally and internationally and has been a guest on many other podcasts as well. And now we can add sisterhood to that roster. I wanted to have her on because in general, entrepreneurship can be very isolating. And then you add a global pandemic, 
multiple lockdowns, business closures, you add all of that into the mix and emotions start to run really high. Triggers are high, stress is high, but I've been really seeing that fear is the highest. We're in such an unknown state, even 18 months as I record this into the pandemic. And I'm hearing a lot of stories from women who have been struggling with their mental health and are afraid of going down the path towards depression again. And I wanted to be able to provide support and have a conversation with another woman, with an entrepreneur, with a mental health expert who can really help us to break down um and normalize what we're feeling, but also give us some tools and practices and maybe even a new perspective on how we can get through this really difficult time. So something that Shula really, really embodies and wants all of us to know is that we are all stronger with support. So that is what this conversation is about. Really supporting ourselves, supporting each other, normalizing the challenges that arise from entrepreneurship, being okay with not always being okay, and looking within and asking ourselves deeper inquiry and questions on where we really need support and getting to that point where we can reach out and get the correct support. So I'm just going to zip my lips right now and just get into the conversation with Shula Mitt Bear Levtov. Well, Shula, welcome back to Now Sisterhood. <laughs> to to the podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here today to talk about mental health and entrepreneurship because one, we're in May, it's mental health month. And as I just said, before we pushed record, it should be mental health month every day, every month, every year, all the time. Uh, it doesn't go away just because we're in June. Um, and I really have felt the pulse and just like the energy out there right now. I'm sure you have to just the stress of what women and especially women entrepreneurs are really going through right now. And I'm, I find it so fascinating that you're a practitioner who has meshed together what I think is so incredible, which is mental health and entrepreneurship, because nothing brings up triggers more than all the fear of being an entrepreneur. Well, it's a survival. It's a survival situation when you're running a business, right? It, it really is a make or break can I or can't I pay the bills? And when you're unable or worried about paying your bills, that's that feels that registers in your body like a threat to life, right? Absolutely. So the, high, the stakes are high already. And then throw in a global pandemic and like, what the heck? Yeah. What drew you into really shifting gears in your practice to working specifically uh, with women, with female entrepreneurs, I find it so fascinating because you could have taken so many different directions, but what drew you to do that? Was it because of your own entrepreneurial journey? When I left, so when I went back to school and became a therapist, uh, you know, in school, they don't give us business training. And I knew that I wanted to go right into private practice. And I was determined there are kind of two things that are said about money and 
One is uh, that I was aware of. One is that most small businesses fail within the first year. And two, uh, most mental health professionals and healing types are, are not good with money, right? Quote, unquote. Yeah. And I was damned if that was going to be my story. So the minute I left the master's program, I started right away with business training. And as part of my business training, I started hanging out with entrepreneurs because I wanted to know how to run a business. And there were no other therapists hanging out in the entrepreneurial circles. And so in my own entrepreneurial journey, I got to live the mental health impacts of that. But I also got to witness the mental health impacts on the people I was hanging out with. And I realized the intersection of entrepreneurship and mental health kind of takes the mental health question to the, to use a cliche, it takes it to the next level, right? It adds in a layer of um, struggle, a challenge, right? Also a layer of skill, because as we go through these challenges, we develop skills to address them so that we become more resilient. Like entrepreneurs really have a leg up in that regard, where they face much more challenge, but as a result, they also end up with, or can end up with much more skill, much more skills. Mm-hmm. But the dilemma for entrepreneurs is that entrepreneurial poverty is real, right? We gross a lot, but we don't always retain a lot. Yeah. And for therapy, people have to pay, entrepreneurs have to pay out of their after-tax money. And I know from my own experience as an entrepreneur, it's much harder to find after-tax money than it is to find write-offs in my business. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, becoming aware of the demand, the need for uh, emotional support for entrepreneurs and the, the barrier to access to that, entre- that emotional support for entrepreneurs because therapy is after-tax money I uh, designed this consulting offer that I have now, which is a business write-off. Oh, amazing. Which removes a big barrier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is money fear is, that's a real fear. I just, you know, um, and it's a mindset issue. Money fears are not necessarily mindset issues. No. It's life and death in I mean, it, it, it requires some inquiry, clearly, right? Our money stuff, we have to consider it. We have to look into it. And it's not all mindset. Sometimes it's the real thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I hate and I always tell, I like when a woman says to me or a man too, but I mean, let's be honest, I don't attract a lot of men in my contagiously positive practice. But when a woman says to me, you know, I'm going to hire this business coach and they, they told me to put it on my credit card because, you know, if I was really serious about being successful, um, then I would find the money or I would be okay with going in debt. And I'm like, right away, right there, they're using your limiting beliefs against you saying that the only way to be successful is to go into debt. So it's like, I'm not going to be successful unless I go into debt. I, it just, there's something so triggering about, um, these business coaches who are trying to use these women, especially for women, use their limiting beliefs against them. Because let's be honest, sometimes it's not about, it's not about saying, well, if you could, if you really wanted it, you would find the money. 
the reality is a lot of these entrepreneurs, it's like, okay, do I take this course or do I feed my kids? Yeah. And yeah. You know, I think it's so important to notice. And again, this is, I think you and I work similarly in that there's a nuance. It's a yes. And we don't toss out the spirituality. We don't toss out the mindset stuff. What we say is, is this a question of mindset? And we inquire into it. And when it is, we work with it. But we also have the wisdom and the um, training, the mental health training, and in my case, the trauma training, yep. to know when uh, when things are uh, deeper and require deeper inquiry and more support. And we can also recognize like the coercive nature of the kind of uh, that kind of um, using your your uh, your beliefs, your limiting beliefs against you. Mm-hmm. That's gaslighting and coercion. It's manipulative and absolutely. Uh, that has an impact on your mental health. Yep. Right. Well, we go into, you start a new business and instantly you see all of these people saying, well, like you said at the beginning, um, most people fail within the first year of entrepreneurship. So right away, your mind now has a program that a, a fear of failing, right? A fear of failing. So I better hustle, 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 stress, 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 burn myself out because if I don't, I'm going to fail. And then you're learning about business and entrepreneurship. So you think I'm going to start following business coaches and they start to validate your fears and your limiting beliefs and using them against you. And then if you already had struggled with mental health before that, that just compounds it and brings all of that up to the forefront and then validates that stuff even more. And if you didn't have mental health uh, challenges at the beginning, um, but you have limiting beliefs, then you definitely will. If you continuously go down that path, having listening to these, you know, quote unquote experts use your fears and limiting beliefs against you to line their pockets. Because let's be real, what's happening, right? They might not necessarily mean to be gaslighting or mean to be using the limiting beliefs against you, but it's a sales tactic. Yes. And it's a very effective sales tactic. And it's one I would much rather have a very slow success rate and take a little bit longer to achieve the revenue goals. Um, if it means I never, ever, ever have to, and I never would use someone's limiting beliefs against them. I just, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't. And it just, it shocks me that these experts, um, don't see it or don't care. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. I, I suspect it has to do with, um, the culture and socialization. And if you haven't learned, I mean, certainly there are bad apples, mm-hmm. right? But like many uh, harms that occur in the world, I think it is less about the individual and more about the systems and structures in place and how they then lead individuals to act certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I mean, it's a funny thing to say as an entrepreneur, but uh, I think capitalism is really uh, the root cause of this kind of gaslighting and manipulation because it's more, 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 better, 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 bigger, 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 consume, consume, consume um, at any cost. Yeah. And, you know, like 
even as a critical thinking entrepreneur, I can see how early in my entrepreneurial career, while I didn't manipulate others, I certainly did kind of gaslight myself and get a little kind of misled by that uh, expansion is good, scaling is good, a good entrepreneur, a good business, a viable business is always growing. But like always growing is cancer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Same. I I had the same thing, Shula, when I was facilitating um, at the beginning, when I first started, I facilitated a goal setting workshop and it was all about the hustle and the stress and sacrifice. That's the only way to reach the top because that's the only way I was taught. And when I suffered from burnout and then, you know, someone I had already struggled with mental health issues in the past, that burnout just compounded it because now I feel like a failure and it all started to come back again. I'm like, wait a minute, though, there's got to be a better way. Like this cannot be the only way to run a successful business. And then um, when COVID hit, I did a whole new um, goal setting workshop and I took out all the sacrifices, all the stress and hustle and focused it. Okay. But what do you want? Because if you don't want to scale to a seven figure business, what the hell are you doing running at trying to run a seven figure business and really coming down to what do you actually want out of your business? What do you actually need financially? And I, what are your actual terms of success? Because success to me um, means nothing if I have to sacrifice my mental and emotional health for it. Right. Uh, there's um there's a um a uh I don't know how I'm struggling to find um like a like a financial guy a, um his he's called the budget nerd okay way back um he he has a really great he's a great resource I think everybody should listen to his podcast and look at his stuff uh, he talks about freedom line and for me that was a revelation because I was like oh this is not some I, I like this six or seven figure business, you kind of pull that out of the air because that's what everybody else is doing. Absolutely. You know, he has a process and it's a very simple one and it's free and available through his podcast of finding what your freedom line is. And once I realized, oh, but this is in order to feel the way I want to feel, uh, this is all in quotation marks. I only need to earn this much. Like I only need to net this much. I was like, Hey, that's just, that's like doable. Absolutely. And that was so helpful to have, um, I don't want to call it a goal, but like a, a vision Mm -hmm. that seemed like it was the kind of vision that could be realizable in my real three dimensional concrete world and not some abstract in the air Instagram world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause we have to remember what we see on social media, never, never, even you and I, even you and I, and we're very careful, right, to um, be aware of other people's mental and emotional well-being. It's never the full story. It's never the full story. You know, someone might be saying, I'm going to help you reach six figures. You, we, you don't even know if they've reached six figures, right? They're not showing you their numbers. Um, so it's so important. I love the freedom line. I hope everyone goes and checks out the budget nerd because that is so powerful. Freedom is my word. Mental freedom, emotional freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, space freedom. That is something um, when I'm not feeling free, I'm very constricted. And I'm like, what can I do today to feel a little bit freer? So it, and sometimes it's just get up off 
my desk and like, and go for a walk. And I'm like, oh, that's what freedom feels like. That's what freedom feels like. Kind of reminding me that, you know, I don't need this specific thing that I'm being sold online to feel free. I can find that in so many other ways as well. So, so important to really dissect and question what you see on social media. Cause I know, I'm sure you get this all the time in your practice. Uh, I bet you a lot of the women really suffer with comparison comparisonitis. Yes. Well, I don't know about other women, but for sure me, I mean, I joke. Yes. Clients of mine do have this issue and, but like viscerally I live it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm an entrepreneur in the online space and it uh, it's difficult Mm -hmm. to, it takes a lot of emotional uh, labor to metabolize uh, my reactions to when I see other people apparently doing quote unquote, doing better than I am. Yes, absolutely. I love, I love that you use the word reaction because I was speaking to a woman yesterday on the podcast. Um, and she was saying there's a difference between being reactive and responsive. And I found that really interesting and it made me really think, and then you just said it as well. So, because you talk a lot about not waiting for shit to hit the fan, right? So being proactive instead of reactive so that we can respond in a way that supports us. So what do you do then? Like, is it a stop and pause? Like, what do we do in those moments when we just want to be reactive because we have fear of missing out or comparison or all these limiting beliefs pop up and say, okay, this is, you're going to now react out, usually out of fear. Yes. The analogy or the metaphor, I can never remember which word is right, that I like to use is uh, digestion. Mm. Something happens. It it comes in by the eyes, by the ears, by the, or, or by the mouth, right? Like food. So we see this post and it comes into our organism and something happens, right? The thoughts occur and then the emotions occur. Mm-hmm. And so I invite people to consider that this is a digestive process that you've just eat. It's as if you've just eaten something. And you have to chew it up, swallow it. It has to spend some time in your belly. It has to be sorted out into uh, and absorb the nutrition. And then the waste is eliminated. And so similarly, the taking the time to digest uh, and process and get the lesson, get the learning and let go of, uh, and I want to say parenthetically, not everything has a lesson. Sometimes it's just all poop. So (laughs) yes, uh, if there's nutrition in it to absorb that, to absorb the lessons and then to like have a good poop, to let it all out, to have a way to, um, and this could be like by moving or by having confiding in somebody, having a good cry or a good laugh or journaling or whatever, that there's a whole process for moving through what is happening as a result of that initial input. In this case, the post that brought up the thoughts that brought to the feelings, right? And then at the end, that's when the response can occur. 
if it's necessary. And what I have found in a lot of my experience is that after I've had a good poop, metaphorically speaking, yep. that's the end of the story. I flush the toilet and that's the end of the story. Absolutely. And it feels for me, it's very empowering to be able to say, oh, you know what? That's it. I just flush it because, but, but flushing is not the first step in the process. And that's, I think, where a lot of people miss uh, they, they think that they should be able to, they shouldn't feel this way. They shouldn't have this reaction and, and they should be able to just let it go. Right. Like just flush the toilet. Yeah. But you can't, again, to continue with the metaphor, which is getting like a little, a little more graphic by the minute, but I but, love it because people can connect to it in a different way. Right. right? <laughs> yes. If you, if you, um, sometimes you can clog the toilet. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, it's really important that flushing comes just like everything else comes at the right phase in the process. And so your initial reaction um, to then squelch that and tell yourself, okay, I, I, I should just be able to eliminate this uh, is actually causing yourself. It's kind of gaslighting yourself because you need to, you, it needs to be digested first before. So yeah. coming back to your question about should people pause or not? Uh, I think from what I've just said, clearly the answer is yes. Yeah. And I want to also stay out of the realm of should with this Mm -hmm. because yes, pausing is good. And under pandemic conditions where our nervous system are consistently in a state of alarm. And if we have not had experiences that enable us to feel resourced in general, if we've experienced adversity, our ability to self-regulate, which means to, uh, first of all, be oriented to what's happening. And then second of all, to be able to say to yourself, hey, wait a minute, something's happening and I need to pause here is dependent. Your capacity to do that is dependent on your resources to begin with. Like there's a pre-existing condition that makes it possible for you to pause. So not everybody can pause. And pausing isn't easy. Oh, it's not easy. My God, I, you know... I used to be very reactive. I had a really bad temper. And um, honestly, even now, I remember starting these practices like 22 years ago. I had hired a coach to help me because I was in, and then I was out of college into the real world job. And that like temper just kept getting, I was so tired. Really, it came down to, I was tired of saying, I'm really sorry for what I said when I was angry, you know? Um, But that's because I stuffed, I stuffed, I stuffed. And then I became a pressure cooker. Um, It's taken, I'm not going to say it's taken me 22 years, but um, I'm definitely not perfect at it. And it took a lot of time to have my brain react first and say, okay, it's okay to pause. It took time for that. And I didn't do it by myself. I had, I had therapy, I had coaching, I had to practice it. Um, I had to tell the people in my life that I was practicing it, trying to, you know, control my temper. Like it did not happen in a, in a small little container. I had to be very open. So you're so right. You know, um, I don't think that would have happened on my own. No, that's right. We're strong, competent, capable. Mm-hmm. You, even then, 22 years ago, were, were, you were smart, you were strong, you were self-determined, all those things. And we are stronger with support. 
Yes. So much. So you say that all the time. It's on your website. It's you talk about it all the time. Like it's, you just want to drive it home to women that stop doing things alone. (laughs) So again, I want to say there's a nuance to this. Yes. Because if you've experienced adversity and other people have been dangerous to you, that's going to be a limitation that that's going to, you're going to experience reaching out for support as dangerous. Yeah. So again, like there's a nuance. It's it's a hundred percent true that yes. you're with support when it's the right support. Absolutely. Support won't do. And in fact, any old support, uh, and you may have experienced this, I sure have, where I've turned to the wrong place for support and gotten responses that were pretty harmful. Very actually, when I was, I think I was like 15 years old, my friends had an intervention with me because uh, I had an eating disorder. And mm-hmm. so they went to the guidance counselor and the guidance counselor was really wonderful and said, you either tell your parents or I will. Um, and I said that, great, I'll go home and I'll tell my parents. And I lived with my father. And um, at the time, uh, the woman that he was dating, they had been dating. They were, you can call her my stepmom because they were together for like 17 years. And I was like, you know, before I tell my dad, a man, um, I'll just tell her, I'll tell her, like, I'll just, you know, rip off the bandaid. And I told her and she looked at me and she's like, oh, could you have not picked a worse time to tell us this? And instantly shut down. That was it. That's all I needed to hear. It wasn't, um, it wasn't supportive. I felt ashamed. And after that, Shula, it's true. I never, I, I became the most secretive person ever. I never told people that I needed help to my detriment. Like I would, yeah, I would just always be in trouble financially or emotionally, mentally, but I would never turn to people because I did not get it. Um, at a very, very challenging time. So if I'm not going to get it for the big things, why would I ever get it for what I would consider at the time, small things? So you're so right. There's an irony in that too, because you know, that decision helped you stay safe from that kind of harm. You never experienced yep. that kind of harm ever again. And that's what happens. We get these reactions that say, that say, okay, I'm never doing this because I never want to feel this way again. And you never do. And at the same time, as you listed, there's a whole bunch of other consequences you know, so you were safe from this one harm, but you experienced a bunch of other harms because you had uh, like a very limited response. Very much so. Kind of a holistic response. And again, this comes back to support the proper and appropriate support helps us have a holistic response to the situation. Very, very. It's so fascinating. I love the language that you use. I love that you use the word and it's not one or the other. Um, cause we always try to be like, well, I'm either going to choose left or I'm going to choose right. And there's no in between, but there's so much in between. <laughs> there's so much in between. So I love that. And I love the way you say like, it's never a should because it really just depends on what our experience is and has been. Um, so I just, I, I really love that because I think, you know, anyone who's struggling with mental health, any woman who's struggling in entrepreneurship and mental health. So important for her to know that it's not all black and white. Yes. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of nuance. And I I just, I love having these conversations because I want to normalize it. Yes. It's so important to normalize it. So we can just have, get to a place in our lives where 
we, I can tell this story about this, about my stepmother not supporting me without it triggering me and making, taking me down into a dark path, right? That took time and healing. And now I'm on the other side, but it, I think so often what happens, I don't know if you've experienced this, um, in, in your practice with your colleagues or someone sharing their success story, they share, here's A, here's B. Like I was here and then now I'm successful. And they miss the most important part, which is, but what was the journey like in the middle? Because <laughs> I know it's been a little messy for me. I And I know talking to a, many, many women over the years, it's not from point A to point B. It really isn't. The messy middle is where the pain is and where the richness is. I mean, again, to come back to the digestive metaphor, like if you think of the, the conditions in your actual stomach, that's pretty gross. Yeah. It's pretty messy. It's actually, and in fact, we have hydro, is it hydrochloric acid, I think in our, in our guts, right? Which is actually pretty destructive. And if, if it's uncontained, it's really harmful. And there, it, there's all those aspects are, it, are present in the messy middle. And I agree with you that that's also... Um, again, where the sorting happens again, I don't know why I'm on the digestive metaphor for today, but it's you know, so perfect. The system where the separation occurs, where nutrition is absorbed and waste is eliminated. And it's also in the messy middle, entrepreneurially speaking, mm-hmm. that we, um, we discover what works and what doesn't work. And we let go of what doesn't and stay with what does. And for me, as for you, I find this a very compelling aspect of people's story that, and it's where the lessons are for me, but it's also where the sense of common humanity is. And I find that coming back to the mental health issue, having an, a, a visceral experience of shared humanity, of shared struggle, that it's not my individual flaw, rather it's a universal experience and I'm passing through this universal experience. To know that is such a bomb to my aching soul. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I really, because again, I don't have it all figured out and I'm really just trying to learn as I go as well. I'm trying to share as much about the middle as possible to say, you know, here's how I was feeling. And instead of saying, here's here, how I was, here's how I was feeling. And now I'm super, super happy and great. It's like, here's how I was feeling. I cried for an hour in the bath. I went for a walk with my dog in the forest. I did a meditation. I spoke to my best friend. Um, we talked it out. Um, two days later, I felt much better. I did my hair, whatever it might be. And here are all of those things. And before I used to be afraid of sharing the middle because I didn't want women to hear that and say, oh my God, so I got to go through discomfort for four days. And, you know, I didn't want them to feel the stress of the length of time that it sometimes takes. But then I realized I'm doing such a disservice because they look at it when you just say A and B, they look at that and they're like, there's no way I could ever get there right now feeling the way that I'm feeling. Right. I remember early on in my recovery journey, people used to say to me, well, even before I actually really start understood what I needed in order to get uh, more fully resourced, people would say, uh, you need to relax. Oh, and I, swear, yeah. I wanted to like, boof, you know, like just right between the eyeballs. Cause I knew that. Yes. What I didn't know was how. Yes. And so, um, for me as a practitioner and as a person who has a voice and a platform, 
it is that is why it is so important for me to share the how yep. um, to be strategic and tactical and to empower people with some choices around the how because there isn't a person on the planet who doesn't know what they want. Absolutely. That's not well, I mean, I'm overstating it, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, I know what you're saying. It's easy to have a goal or a vision or a wish or a desire. It mm-hmm. is far more difficult to understand and know, have access to the information that gives you the skills to get where you want to go. And I do want to also add, you know, that in terms of transpersonal transparency online, uh, you and I are of like mind about this. And it relates to what you were just saying, where uh, I think there's an important nuance to being transparent online, again, that you have hit on, which is the messy middle. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I see kind of three ways that people share. People will bleed all over the place, and that's it. They're in it, and they're and they're kind of it. I feel uneasy because it seems like an uncontained um, release of stuff. Then there's the one that does the A and B or A and C with no B. Yes, which I find that is the kind of thing that actually elicits like the shame response in me because I look at that and I go, I should be able to do that. And I can't. Yep. The first one is kind of an invasion. It's a boundary violation. The second one elicits a shame response in me. But the third one, A, B, C is what empowers me. And so as as leaders and people sharing our personal story, I think we have an obligation to share after we have fully metabolized the experience and can share if there's a lesson in it, what that was. Yeah. That's where the value of transparency lies in my opinion. I totally agree because uh, well, you know, it, it's, I go online sometimes and I'm already feeling triggered or I'm already feeling down. I mean, welcome to the past 18 months. Like we just get thrown shit at us every time we turn on our phones and I'll go online and I'll, and I'll see something and it's like verbal diarrhea. And, and then I think, okay, but wait, but wait, 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 how, what's the solution? <laughs> what do we do? So now I'm feeling just as bad as that person's feeling and that's compounding. And then if I went online and I then had verbal diarrhea, then another person watching me would might say, oh my God, well, if Lori Ann is feeling this way, then I should feel even worse. And it compounds and compounds and compounds. So I have a formula for my business where it's okay. Here's what I've experienced. Here's all the stuff in the middle that I, that I did here are any lessons that I may have taken out of it. Um, if there was any, and then here are some action steps that I took that might be also helpful for you. And here's some journal prompts for you to deepen the inner work even more. And if there is anything that I can, any guidance I can give them externally, here's some more resources for support to help you. Um, Because again, there's so many things that are outside of my expertise that I just wouldn't even pretend to know how to, to, how to handle. And I follow that. And because sometimes I'll get online and I'll want to rant. And then I'm like, just a second, pause for a second, because you're about to add fuel to someone who's already feeling really fiery. So wait till you're through it and help them with your experience, how you went through it. So it's, but it's a, it's a balance, right. Of processing, sharing, 
sharing and being vulnerable so people know that you're not perfect and you go through stuff as well without shitting on everybody. <laughs> it's such a balance. Yeah. And we, I mean, we, we screw up, of course. Of course. And that's okay. Like, yeah, absolutely. Ourselves grace. Um, yeah. And that's the benefit again, to come back to this idea of we're stronger with support that mm-hmm. that's the time when you reach out to your bestie, when you box me or you call your friend or you call your therapist or you call your coach or you box your coach or you email your coach, right? That, because there is that, that kind of reactivity, it's important. It has to, it, it needs a place. Yes. But uh, online publicly is not the place. Because then more fuel gets added to it. People will comment and they will validate how you're feeling and then share their feelings. And I don't know um, where you fall in the spiritual realm. I believe everything is energy and you can even take spirituality out of it. That's what Albert Einstein said. Everything is energy and that's all there is to it. So if you match the frequency of that energy, and there's another energy out there, it will connect. So when you go on angry, frustrated, and you rant and rant and rant, and then you have a hundred other rants and anger, there's no way you're getting out of that feeling better. Yes. And I agree with you on the spiritual level. And I agree with you on the Einstein level. And we could add the neurobiological level of explanation to this, that when one person is dysregulated, um, you know, what they, what is most beneficial for them is for someone who's regulated, who has their lid on to come in and be with them and say, I understand Mm. Of course, you feel this way rather than saying, yeah, me too. And, and, and they Mm -hmm. say, I get it. I understand. Of course you would feel this way. This must be so difficult for you. I'm sure that this is tough. Can I hold your hand? You know, that kind of thing. And that, that exerts a reg, that energy, the soothing, calming energy helps you soothe and calm yourself. Mm, The opposite is also true, right? If my lid is off and I come in with somebody else whose lid is off, we, uh, that energy feeds itself neurobiologically, right? My uh, sympathetic nervous system activation activates yours, which activates mine, which activates yours, right? Yep. so it's, it's tr- this, this idea of energetic exchange is true on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're mind, body, and spirit. Yes. We're yes. not all these separate things and they all get ignited. I mean, like we talked about it in the first podcast that we did together, which I'm going to link here because we talked all about the nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system. Um, there's a lot of fight flight, freeze and fawn. We're in it all the time. And it's, it's so, it's so easy to regulate and it's so hard to regulate sometimes (laughs) it goes back to that. And it's both, but you know, if I'm, I've gotten very good the past few years, really respecting my friend's boundaries, um, emotionally and mentally. And I'll say also, I, very, very attuned to making sure I get the right support because that's something that I've practiced through therapy of getting the right support. Um, I will say to my girlfriend, are you emotionally and mentally able to handle a rant from me right now? And she'll be like, oh my God, yeah, let it loose. And I will rant and I will take a deep breath and I let it all out. Even though I don't mean everything, it doesn't matter. I let it all out, even the things that God forbid, I hope no one ever hears. I don't mean them. I just, right, you're saying it. And then I'll breathe and I'm like, thank you. She's like, okay, do you need support? 
support right now? Or do you need advice? I'm like, I just need you to hold space for this. Or sometimes it's, yeah, you know what? I do need some advice. And that's taken practice to do that um, with my friends, but it helps because now I have this um, support system, but also they know that I respect their boundaries mentally and emotionally as well. Right. Like if I, if I have a friend who's going through something really devastating right now, I'm not going to go vent to her about my entrepreneurial struggles. Yes. Uh, this is a concern that many people have about seeking support and about sharing with others is they say, and this, I hear this a lot from the women who come to me that they're concerned about burdening other people with their sharing. And what's beautiful about that, what you've said is this, this consent Mm-hmm. Right. That having seeking consent with one another and setting boundaries with one another, then when they say no, you can trust 100% their no and trust that you and they are okay in your relationship when they say no. And you can 100% trust their yes, because you know that it's a full yes with true consent, because they are also free to say, I don't have space for this right now. And this also speaks to the um, value of having a network of people so that when one person doesn't have the container for this, that the uh, another person might, right? And then, and also to have explicit conversations and agreements with your friends about how are we going to be together and setting this container so that you have this practice of permission seeking and this practice of genuine yes and no. And that makes it possible then for you to share with one another without burdening one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's so important is just to have those open and honest conversations. That's what I wanted to do with sisterhood is normalizing everything, talking about everything um, that we can so that we surround ourselves as much as we can with the most supportive, loving, compassionate, kind human beings possible. Um, Because, you know, I find too, I'm not going to go to a friend who's not an entrepreneur with my entrepreneurial struggles. Yes. Do you find that in your own practice? What really helps you connect at a deep level with your clients is you're not just a therapist. You're also an entrepreneur. You know, both sides and you've experienced entrepreneurship and continue to as well. That has to create a beautiful connection of support between you and your client. Yes. uh, In my consulting practice, that's what I, um, that's the real value. One of the real values that I bring is um, when I'm providing entrepreneurs with emotional support, I understand the context in which they're operating. Yeah. And um, the, it is a unique context and a unique experience. And um, generic support is supportive. It is. Very. Contextually oriented support is even more powerful yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, it just, you know, we've already experienced so much isolation in the past 18 months. I don't, I think a lot of people understand now what the term being isolated feels like. Um, but entrepreneurship is very isolating. Like take yeah. COVID out of it. Entrepreneurship is very isolating, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur. But even if you have a team, it feels isolating because you're responsible now um, to feed those people, right? Uh, financially, so that they're supported financially. Um, and then you add, then you add a lockdown. 
part of what happens as an entrepreneur in, in relation to the people you're with is that there's a lot of emotional labor that goes along with being a leader uh, of, of driving the car with people in the car behind you, mm-hmm. right? Even if you don't perceive yourself as a leader, if you're running the business and you have people working for you, you're holding a leadership space and stuff comes up emotionally around the role you play um, as the guide overall. So, uh, to be, but yet you can't, most people don't have the space to hold a conversation between you and them about your emotional reaction to stuff they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. As a leader, that's not appropriate. That's a boundary crossing. And what we need are, is another, what we need is another leader who gets what we're talking about, understands the dynamics and can help us sort it out and then figure out what we're going to do. And that would be the value of working with someone like me or, and having um, a biz bestie to, with whom you can process these aspects of what it's like to be a leader, because uh, you, then you find yourself caring a lot and being very with, you're not isolated in that it's not that you don't have contact because you see and interact with your team all day. Yes. But you don't have a place then to, uh, to be able to process what's happening in you around that stuff. And that's the isolation, right? You're, you're alone with that. Absolutely. Because you're so right. You know, um, when you work in a corporation, you have coworkers, you know, you can all go for lunch together and talk badly about your boss and, you know, vent with one another and then come back to the office and you get your work done. Um, but when you're the leader, it is very isolating. It can feel very lonely because you can't put that stuff on your team. Like you just can't. Right. I mean, I've had leaders who have done that and it doesn't feel good and it doesn't make me, um, work efficiently or effectively, or even want to be a part of that team. So it's it's so important as a leader, it's gaslighty to, um, to behave as if, uh, the people on our team are our peers. And this is not to say, this is not to say, uh, how, how would I say this? Like, but some, some people who are entrepreneurs don't want to be bosses, right. And the people that they work with are contractors, but it's not about being a boss. It's about, um, the power dynamic, which exists when you're the leader, there is power inherent in that position, in that role. Mm-hmm. And um, to be uh, confiding in your contractors or your um, employees is, uh, is um, it's a dual relationship and it obscures yes. and it's confusing to you and everybody else. And it's really unhealthy and leads to a whole realm of toxic kind of interaction that nobody means to do it's not because you're sitting there trying to be unhealthy but absolutely you know it 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 leads to a whole line of 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 unhealthy stuff so again having a place um it's a bit like being a parent and your children you know that it's called emotional incest with your children where um you confide in your children around the things that are happening between you and your spouse yeah Uh, you know and it's and it's a similarly kind of incestuous and unhealthy and deeply problematic um, um, behavior to collapse that relationship between the leader and the team. Absolutely. And so again, the value of support. Oh, it really comes down to that. It's getting the support that you need in a healthy way that supports you mentally, emotionally, attitudinally, physically, um, because you're even a leader 
show the way you show up on social media. So much of our business nowadays is run through social media, right? Like so much of it, you're uh, every post, everything that you say, you're showing up as the leader of your company. Um, and it's hard to know. It's so hard to know the right wording, the right phrasing. Am I saying the right thing? Did I just trigger someone? Do I need a trigger warning? Whatever it might be. What do I share? How do I be vulnerable? And, you know, um, so it really comes down to that and getting that support and talking through and getting practical tools, um, with someone like you who knows both sides, right? (laughs) Who knows, um, because I mean, you've been in the mental health industry for for many, many years. So you understand that side. You've worked with many women who have suffered from trauma and you've been an entrepreneur and have gone through stuff yourself. Like that whole, you know, enmeshment, all of that combined together. Now someone's getting like true, true support, which is so amazing. And someone who can see them. Thank you. Thank you which- for saying we want that, right? Like, don't you find sometimes your client just leaves and the biggest thing they got out of it was just being seen. Yes. Someone sees me, someone, someone sees me and is willing to go the long haul with me. Yeah. yeah. I myself have experienced the deep value of that as the recipient. Yes. Right? I have felt that in my bones, how important and good that is. Uh, And I've heard from clients the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's you say all the time, it's okay to not be okay. And having false positivity is not going to heal you. Um, And it's okay to reach out to people, but you're so right. It has to be the correct people. Yeah. Before we end, what can... What, what is something that you you just wish every woman entrepreneur would just embrace, would know um, on her journey if she's just starting out or starting over or in the middle of it? What's that thing where you're like, I just wish every woman would just like have this embedded in their mind subconsciously and consciously? I'm going to come home to the idea that we are stronger with support. Yeah. And I'm going to add a nuance to that because we've talked a lot about reaching out for support. And I think reaching inward for support is also uh, very, very important. And to have a supportive inner relationship makes it possible then to face challenges mm-hmm. with more resources, this kind of offering yourself grace, offering yourself kindness, offering yourself compassion. Um, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, that the first step is to say, ouch, that hurts. Of course, you know, and the validating things to say, yes, of course, you would feel this way to yourself. Of course, this is tough. This is why it's hard. This is a hard thing you're trying to do. Of course, you would feel this way. so that we're stronger with support, internal and external. And one of the very first things that we can do is turn inside and say, no wonder, no wonder you're having a hard time. No wonder this hurts. 
I, you know, if you, if I had never learned how to support myself mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all the things, and I went into your office, I wouldn't know what support felt like. I wouldn't know it. I would just listen to your words and I would just be like, well, whatever, you know, <laughs> like just fix me. Yeah, right, right. I wouldn't, I would think that you were the one who needed to fix me. Not that I, I wouldn't understand that I have a big role to play in that as well. And I have to take responsibility as well. I wouldn't know that if I never did it for myself. Um, and that's not easy to do because we're told when we're told that it's selfish, right? What do you mean me first? Well, that's so selfish. You have to take care of everyone else first and then you, but then by that time, when we start to realize we need to take care of ourselves, we've been taking care of everyone else for 40, whatever years. Um, and it's really, really difficult to do that. So I think it's so wonderful that you say that because it really does. It's, you know, you're giving people tools and practices and all the support they could possibly imagine. But there has to be a responsibility level on the other side of that as well. Otherwise, it just won't work, right? It's both. It's both. It's both. It's always both, which I find um, so empowering. That's really what I want. Also, you know, with sisterhood, um, I want women to feel empowered because I believe that empowered women will empower other women. And I know from my own experience, when I'm not feeling empowered or someone is trying to purposely disempower me, I'm just not game for other people's happiness and success. I have a really hard time being happy for them. So the whole point of this, the more support that women get and be okay with receiving because it's hard to receive, the more they're just going to want to cheer for everyone else along the way as well. You won't feel the judgment. You won't want to shame another woman. You won't want to judge another woman because you're just going to be like, all right, everybody, let's let's do this together. Yeah, empowered women empower other women. Um, I, there's just nothing left to it, right? When we can come together, we're tribal to our core. We're tribal. We need the sisterhood, the connections, the support, the community. Um, we talked about that before we even pushed record. We need it for our like pure survival, but also so that we can thrive. I agree. Yeah. We are stronger with support. Yes. Empowered women empower women. Yes, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. I could talk to you for hours and I'd love to have you back. I wanted to talk to you today about mental health and entrepreneurship because I know people are like, I know women are right in it right now. And um, I just hope they, what they take from this is that, you know what, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to get that support that I need because there's no better time than now with what we're experiencing um, and then to have the tools to just tackle whatever comes next. So I really, really hope that. And I'm so grateful that you came on here and I want to talk more about you next time about so many other things with regards to mental health. So I, I hope you'll come back. I'd be happy to. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, big hugs. Thank you so much. Um, everyone who's listening, you can contact Shula. I'll put all of Shula's um, links in the show notes. You can contact her. You can reach out to her. You can follow her on social media. I will make sure everyone can find your magic. 
Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone.